Hey, Pete. Hey, man. So I'm thinking we start with Blue and Green. Yep. We go straight into Lush Life. Mm. Uh, and then we do the entire Point of Departure record. I like that set list. I'm Adam Mattis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the Yule Here It Podcast. Daily Jazz Advice. Coming at you. Coming at you today, brought to you by Open Studio, of course. Ding. Hello. Uh, we, we need a jingle for like, you know, yeah, Open we... Studio, Jazzy Jazz. Come get your lessons at Open Studio. Yeah, let's keep working on that. Okay. <laughs> I just said we knew. I didn't say I hit the final. If only if only there were any musicians that worked at Open Studio to help us out. Recording capabilities <laughs> or something. lessons, jazz guaranteed. Yeah, emotion in motion is the closest thing to an open studio jingle that we have. Yeah. Uh, okay, so today we're taking another speak pipe. Uh, if you want to leave us a speak pipe, go to openstudionetwork.com. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Go to youllhearit.com. That's right. Go to yeah, you'll hear it. And you know what's funny? I, do you remember when we were having to beg for speak pipes? Yeah. We were having to explain what it was. We we're like, please go to your browser. And now we have, we have we, we're almost going to have to cut it off soon. No, no, no. Don't. No, don't. no, no. But get it in soon, though, because we may. Because I don't want to disappoint people. Because I know I said we only answer the good ones. But now we're getting to the point where we have so many good ones, it's going to be hard. You know, we don't want this to be a speak pipe. This every week day. Is, is all killer, no filler. Let's check yeah. out one from Austin. Hey, guys. Austin from Roanoke here. A while back, you gave me some really good advice about getting established in a smaller city area. And since then, things have been going pretty well. Got involved in a big band and been to a couple jam sessions, even got a couple quintet gigs. So I appreciate the advice and encouragement you guys gave then. I have another question now that gigs are starting to pick up. Hopefully you all can give me a little bit of direction with this. I'm wondering how you all approach organizing your set lists. Is it usually a day of thing? Do you do it a couple weeks in advance? If you do it pretty far in advance, how often does it change? Um, How do you keep things from becoming monotonous, like not playing too many bebop tunes in a row or too many Latin standards in a row or something like that? Um, And then maybe even a little bit of advice about from the listener's perspective. How do we as listeners, what, what do you all expect when you're at a jazz concert? What do you expect to hear from the artist performing? So thank you so much for everything. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Keep up the good work. Wow, satisfied customer. I know. There. I yeah. mean, like, can we get the hello? Can we get a poster with a poster <laughs> child for the? Yeah, I mean, look, that's his good. career, like, and that's gonna be our new thing. Listen to the you'll hear a podcast, and you will get gigs, basically. <laughs> no, but thanks, Austin. That's awesome to hear that. Like some stuff. I mean, look, we're joking on here, but everybody knows. I hope that we really are. You know, we're serious when we give advice. This is really what we believe. This is what we practice. This is what we preach. Yeah. And we really do believe and and know that if you apply just some of these concepts, and look, we didn't come up with these. No, this is, none of this them. Is, <laughs> this is stuff we well fuel. Well, no, number really, one, listen. This <laughs> no, is, I guess not. most of the stuff we talk about is is things that were passed down to us. You yeah. Know, kind of general general information that most professional jazz musicians oral history. Require. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. That's great. So, though. but it, but it is cool to hear when people uh, do them. I mean, I remember the the. It's so fun when you learn something because it's like teaching is such a funny thing because the success of the teacher or the coach. I mean, I look at a teacher and a coach is very similar, right? And the success is so much 
on a certain level uh, derived from the student's performance. But on the other hand, it's totally in the student's control. Yeah, yeah. So like we could say stuff, but then when, when it becomes magic is when someone takes it and does it and gets passed along again. And then you become sort of the conduit for others seeing, man, this stuff works and it leads to fun and gigs and all that kind of stuff. Totally, man. I, you know what? For this question, I know we've done an episode at least one episode on set list before but it never helps to never hurts to <laughs> never helps to, <laughs> it never helps it never to talk helps into to a talk microphone it. no it never hurts to revisit these things yeah. and, and kind of discuss our thoughts on it now um, plus this is a daily podcast so revisiting is inevitable it's inevitable <laughs> yeah yeah no but it's interesting though that he asked from the musician's perspective from the band leader's perspective and then from the audience perspective that's something a little bit different that we can talk about um for me just to get it going here when yeah. i'm thinking about the set list uh, I think about both because I think about what kind of set I can put together to inspire the musicians I'm playing with to play their best for the audience. Mm. You know what I mean? I like it. Like sometimes I know that if uh, I've been doing a lot of gigs with the same you know, group of musicians or whatever, that, that changing it up big time can c- cause a spark that I know will... Among that particular personnel. Um, yeah, among like right. if we've been doing three gigs in a row... You know, I'm not going to start with the same thing for the third gig or whatever. Now, I may like if there was a great ender or something or something that really worked, you know, the night before the set before I might be like, yeah, let's do that again. You know what I mean? Thinking about the audience. But I think it's good to think about both these things. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, I was going to say, I think Austin kind of uh, hit upon a big sort of guiding principle that I believe in in his question, almost answering his own question in terms of when he said even thinking about it from the listener standpoint. Now, most people, when they talk about trying to learn how to put together a good set, I don't know. It's so obvious to me that it's for the listener. So like you reverse, you, you work your way back from that. Yeah. Not from the beginning of like, I want to pr- like, in other words, if you're looking from the beginning, it's like, okay, how do we put a set together that will make the, the band sound good? And then the audience will like, or whatever, as opposed to looking at the sort of end result of being like, where do we want the audience to be? Like, what's the journey we want them to go on? And how do we place things then within there? But a lot of people don't really think about the audience. They just think about what they want to play. And they they always say, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about the audience because I'm going to sound good on this, so the audience is going to like it. And it's, yeah, exactly. And it's it's like, there's a difference between what is fun for you, what is satisfying, because that can be... As a player. As a player. And even as a band, like as a little collective. I think the thing about it, though, is like once you really get the mindset of, of putting on a great show, and I hate to use the word show in a way, but I love to use it. And another way, because that's what this is. This is show business. This is, yeah, it's jazz and it's serious and all that, but it's not. It's entertainment. It's yeah. entertainment. And so putting on, like, once you can line up your, you and the, and the personnel around you that you're leading into, like, a really strong and edifying performance for you as a listener, then it's going to actually be the same as the listener. Totally. You just have to get your mindset out of, like, what's fun for me as a jazz nerd pianist. Yeah. Because that's not fun. Because you're not playing, unless you're playing at a jazz nerd convention. Yeah. Which we've been known to do. (laughs) I know. I mean, look, we're jazz nerds, but that doesn't mean the audience is. So we have to put that mindset of the listener on. But even if you come at it with, you know, what would I want to hear at this concert? What would I want to hear at this club? What would I want to hear at this restaurant or cafe? Yeah. That's going to be better than what would I want to play? Right. You know what I mean? Like, what if I were to come in here and not know this band? What would I? What would what would I be like? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That could change how you think about it a little bit. Right. And then you know use use what you have you know, available to you to kind of mold your best set list. Now there, there are certainly like there, you know, we've talked about sort of the flow of set list before there's that we could get into, but yeah, I like the idea. We probably of, should, we should, we yeah. should for sure. But, you know, starting with 
with having a look around the room, getting a feel for the space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Giving a feel for who's there. Yeah. There's nothing ever wrong with that. I mean, I hate to say that, like, we should all be in this. Well, then now now you're speaking to something that he kind of, you know, brought up about, like, when you do it before, you know, a couple of weeks in advance, whatever. It's, so there has to be flexibility that you can't. Well, you can maybe set a, like, and I'll do this a lot, like, set a kind of general or even, in, I usually have it in my mind, unless it's, like, totally new players and I know it has to, like, be set out. Right. I'll have a general flow how the set. I might have that written. I may, it may just be in my mind if I can remember it. And then kind right. of at the gig, like, right before the gig, we actually did this yesterday uh, with the show with James Carter, yeah, you yeah. know, because it was such a, we haven't played together in so long. And, like, he, I think he wanted, we didn't even talk about it, but he wanted to get a feel for the room. I did, too. So we waited till like, five minutes before the show to, to finalize the set list. And I think that can have some advantages. For sure. But that's kind of advanced level because you can also get so nervous like when you're more when you don't have a lot of experience with this you got to do it a little bit earlier so that you don't like get so nervous and make a mistake in how you're putting this set I think you work your way up yeah. maybe at first 45 minutes before it's considered last minute and then next time 30 you know what I mean I've done it I've done it like as we're walking to the stage yeah just yeah. looking out at the, like I remember we did a, a fundraiser here at Jazz St. Louis right and uh, there was a it was a crowd of fundraiser types. <laughs> and you figured it was going to be but you weren't sure so right? but but the trio that i was working with uh we'd been doing a bunch of like heavy originals yeah. right like either very slow and dissonant or like some burning stuff and i had those fresh on my mind yeah and as we're walking up and i i stare back into the faces of so many uh, baby boomers <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. i was i the, i was like you know we had something in mind to, to start with and i was like no nope, let's do steely dan's black cow <laughs> yeah right and you know what then after that we went into one of the originals but we had them right in the palm of our hand the whole night that's kind of getting into the flow of the set vibe yeah. too because so. we we do we'll do that you know a steely dan tune if i see a bunch of baby boomers but we still do it in our in a way that is yeah. true to us we're not hip, like hip jazz in yeah, way yeah we're not like breaking out like you know something <laughs> uh, artificial right right so i think that that um, well, yeah, plus those the potential donors there literally have their check. Like, let's see how it sounds. I'm either going to write the check or not. That's a whole other kind of pressure. Totally, yeah. man. Totally. Yeah. No, but I think that absolutely. So thinking about the audience and getting – and look, audiences, the beautiful thing about jazz is, I mean, I've gone to a lot of different kinds of performances in a lot of different places. And, um, I mean, I consider myself a listener. I mean, certainly I've, I'm in, I've been around way more gigs on stage, but I really I love to go hear music, so totally. I do it when I can. But I, I feel like your typical jazz performance is 75 80% of the time is a very diverse audience in terms of age and, and background and For expectations, sure. which is great because then when you come and see, when it's not like this kind of fundraiser sort of thing, it can kind of give you license. I mean, it almost makes it harder. Because that, yeah, you can come out and be like, oh, but what if you come out and see all different kinds and feel all different kinds of vibe, you know? Yeah. Um, and But the great thing about it is, you know, most, it's very rare we're in a situation, I think, playing jazz, like when it's an actual jazz gig, when there isn't at least some expectation of the audience and willingness of the audience to be challenged. I agree. So that can always be, as much as I'm saying this is show business and make it about the audience, that's part of making it about the audience. It's like, how are you going to challenge them? And, and and ultimately, a set, you know, to kind of step back, a step up into the clouds a little bit for you, Austin, here, I think it's a story. It's like a, a, a beginning-to-end story. It's a movie. It's a play. It's an opera. Every set set list is just representing a set of music and to the audience they're going on a journey that maybe they know it's 90 minutes 70 whatever the length is i mean hopefully they don't even really know and it's just 
when it gets to the end, it feels like it's the end. But that's up to you. Like, that's actually the goal of putting the set together. Now, if there's certain things in terms of stylistic, because you notice about that's worked in, but there still has to be, and whether it's totally planned or you're making it up as you go, and when you're in a, with a group of musicians that has a big repertoire and everybody knows the music, you don't even need a set list. That's yeah. when it gets really fun. And, and you know, sometimes it won't work but usually it will if you got the you'll know when you get to that point yeah but there's nothing wrong with i mean i'm i'm using i don't know how often even with your trio you're using set list never okay yeah but you're at that point where yeah we're we're at a point where i can literally call things yeah you know as we're going and but i wouldn't you say too though having a big repertoire help is essential for yes, that you, yeah. you have to have all those tunes under your belt ready to go right. at any time and then and, you have to have the confidence the leader has to have the confidence to to have, make a feel and on on the spot, you know, assessment of like what needs to be, it's almost like we talk about in your soul. It's like you start your soul. You can't have the thing planned out no. the arc of it. You got to let the moment happen. And that's very much kind of, that's a micro level on the macro level. That's what putting the set together. Totally. Is. And and there's definitely, you know, it's the same as kind of getting the energy of a room during your solo. Yeah. It's getting the energy of the room during the gig. Right. And being able to read that set list. It's a huge advantage if you can make it happen. Right. And yeah. it's very simple. If people clap and, and get up and stand, play more of the same stuff. <laughs> so let's talk let's talk set openers. Because I think okay. for me the set opener is the most important part. Yes. It sets the the tone, it sets the vibe, it sets the energy in the room yes. for whatever you're doing. I have I, I follow, try to follow my instinct on the set opener as much as possible. Like yeah. I said, like trying to read the energy of the room where people yeah. are at. And there are some times where it's like, if we're playing a packed house and and like everybody knows us and the place went crazy when they introduced us, I might start out something very, very uh, intense and soft, right? I love that. Because I know that they're going to be in there with us. Yeah. They're not going to start talking. You know what I mean? Or yeah. something like that. Uh, if we're in you know, a bar or something and right. no one knows us probably, but I know we're going to like, we could, we could blow this doors off here yep. if we start right. Yep. And so I'll start with something like super high energy to get right. everybody's attention. Yeah. So that everybody's like, Oh snap. Like who are they? You know? Yeah. Uh, so that kind of decision, um, sometimes if it's like kind of a mix of all these things, it's just like, Oh, let's do something kind of get comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. All well, these are options. What I'm seeing is in common with all those though, for the opener. And, and I totally, use this as well and agree is is about doing something for the situation that brings the listeners in to you right. like it's almost like a call to prayer or something call exactly to prayer. right yeah, you yeah. know it's like okay this is the time this is you know and i i see a lot of people make a mistake in programming the first tune in situations where they're coming out hitting so hard thinking oh i'm gonna let them know we're here whatever but you're kind of bad like you're, you can't play something that you haven't prepped the audience's ears to hear yet. Totally. I mean, of course you can. You can do anything. If you play it well, it's going to work. You, I mean, playing well can cover up a multitude of sins of set lists. You can kind of just be yeah. random. Yeah, yeah. But all the better if you program it and make the story unfold in a way that makes sense. And there's definitely options. It's not like programmatic or anything. There's options. But I think that that first thing, you need to warm up just like we need to kind of warm up. Yeah, we warm up backstage, whatever. But you got to warm up the audience's ears. And I like this idea of of getting them to draw in a little bit. I love the thing of like if the situation allows to play something very intense and quiet because that I mean I mean unless it's going to be like a party kind of gig. If it's right. going to be a listening gig, let people know that from the beginning. Be confident with that. Yeah, but you're setting that tone and and yeah. then maybe that's where that's the, just the point of departure where you're going from there. I've heard gigs where it 
uh, were two scenarios. They came out completely burning. Yeah. And then it only got more intense. And right. I was like, what? Right, right, you know, I'm right. thinking of like a Sean Jones gig that I saw yeah. here. And it was incredible. And then I've seen gigs where they came out completely burning and it never got better than that. Right, You right, know what right. I mean? That was like the highlight of the night. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't know either because <laughs> it doesn't take me anywhere throughout the set. Now, that, you know, you have to consider this. Like, is your other stuff as... as I know. Is attention getting is that? I if was so not, worried man. yesterday. We we started with James Carter, incredible saxophonist, you know, from Detroit. He I, can only go up though. My, I mean, I was like, <laughs> no, I knew that. I mean, I've known him since we were in high school. I've yeah. known him a long time. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's a, literally a monster on this. I mean, it's, his technique is the blues. The the. I mean, he can play like the corniest thing and make it sound great, and then play three notes at a time, and then beat. I mean, it's like a flurry of greatness. Yeah. Um, but he came out and like at the last minute we do the set, he's like, let's start with. Um, caravan and we'd actually rehearsed it right before that and i was like cool and but he came out and like just started playing an intro that was so over the top and just like and so the we, my trio came in your trio our trio came in like i mean we had to just come in like and so it was like a battery on the senses of the audience yeah. and i was like oh my god this is gonna be a disaster yeah, and yeah. i'm looking at people i'm like where do we go but the thing was it actually prepared people for how what was about, what to, was happen? about yeah, to happen totally. and then when we got to like a beautiful ballad it was like you know, and it's totally that's why it can't be programmed always the same. There's all different ways to skin this it's cat. Always the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and always it a, a horrible term. But. <laughs> no, no, it's it's always something that you can, if you're doing it right, you can read and change on the yeah. fly, man. But I do think that you know your point about make the first song have something to do with the expectations of of what you're going to be doing. Don't do a total fake out, and don't make it so much of a warm up that you're patronizing. Yeah. Like, oh, we've got to get you ready for what's coming next, and we're going to get a little more challenge. It's not about that. Yeah, yeah. And and. Now, one thing I learned from Christian McBride, and a lot of people have done this really good, is like um, Josh Redman was great at this. I remember years ago, he's man, he's, he puts a lot of thought into the set list, and he was always very programmatic about it. Um, is like do something on the first tune that like people can kind of snap their fingers, something with some kind of groove, and it, I mean it could be swing, it could be anything, but like something that from a groove standpoint is easy to latch on to. Totally, you know, You're making us feel good out, out the gate. Especially if not tune number two, you want to really go in there. Right. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, if you're going to go in there later with some really fast, challenging stuff, then yeah. you can kind of get away with doing a lot of different You got to buy yourself some goodwill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that can kind of warm up both the players. And it's always not that different, you know, from what we need to do to get into the thing. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of a good trick. I'll use that sometimes. It's like first tune kind of grooving, maybe blues or whatever, something that's like that you know the band's going to sound good on even if it's an off night for whatever reason then something challenging the second thing to keep everybody engaged the listeners whatever then you're setting yourself up depending on how long the set is for two number three or two number four probably number three nice meaty ballad totally you know which some people think is a little bit too early but normally especially if you're stretching out bigger you know quintet whatever that's going to be about time because i do think like the really intensely listening things, the meat of the story needs to be in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I don't think it works at the beginning unless it's two sets. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, to yeah. me, like that needs to come like it because it, it's it's a story and like you're getting to that meat and you need that ending. Something needs to end it. And if you end on that intensity, it's a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, the ending. So let's talk about two things here, right? There's, so the ballads, the slow things, and the ending. Yeah. Right? There's, so I agree with you. The ballad could really go anywhere. And sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll have that in mind reading the room, too, is like, when are they ready for this? Right. Like, because some tunes, you know, if, if you're playing open and you're listening or whatever, take a turn where they get real intense. Yeah. Maybe you weren't planning on that in the set or yeah. whatever. And it's like, oh, you know what? Let's bring them down. Yeah. That's a good spot. Sometimes I'll even end with a ballad if yeah. I think that's the, the right choice. Yeah. You know, if it's like... 
I feel like if we go all in on something huge right now, it'll just like be a letdown. Let's yep. do the ballad and let's take it out like yep. grown people. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean. Right, like right. like like confident grown grown folks music. Yeah, totally. I yep. mean, I, I go to listen to the St. Louis Symphony, and not not everything ends on a big bump bump. You know, right, right. Like a lot of especially modern composers end in a much more subdued way. And I, I yeah. think it's very effective. I think so too. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up, I think um, a general comment, I mean, we can't cover every little thing, but these are some good ideas. I think an overall thing that um, you can take, especially when you get to the more advanced level of, of or really if you just want to try some on the gig um, set list creation is, you know, well, no, th this is good for any time, even if you have a set set list, because you have to be able to make adjustments just like totally. in a solo, whatever. Totally. But that is... I, I really believe in as you're finishing a tune and people are clapping, um, like that's the time instead of being like, yeah, high five and everybody like as a leader or whoever's calling the thing, like really try to be in the moment and present. We talk about meditation, whatever, but like that kind of, that's where meditating and being able to focus really comes in handy because what you're trying to do is just let the moment tell you what to play next. Yeah. And this sounds way more mystical than it is, but yeah. what you'll actually tell is like a certain temple will just sort of feel right. And then hopefully, totally. and so what I used to do and, and I still do it if I don't have like a regular group and it's a different thing, like I would make a set list, but then I'd have the tunes broken up like ballads, medium tempo, blues, groove or whatever, whatever categories they naturally fall into. And then when I'd finish the tune and people clap and it's like, what does the moment need next? Then, I, then I've got some choices there. If I, if I can't think of them, I'm like, okay, it needs kind of a medium swinger. Yep. What's the tunes that we can do? That's great. Then that's a way to kind of organically, because it's the same thing of like, then the audience, you're kind of reading their minds in a way, because you're acting like a listener is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and it also is cool, because it makes it like all this a lot easier too. You totally. Know? I mean, if you're a surgeon, like, could you imagine like you're being thrown in, you're a surgeon, Adam, you have to take all your, you'll hear it in piano and jazz training, and they give you some like, and, and, terrifying and, and somebody's really heart is open. Yeah, no, and should not be allowed. Yeah, but it's here. like, <laughs> but they're like, there's just one step you need to do, but you're the only one that can do it. And you see like open heart surgery, the heart. pause? <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> But the, you see a heart there, and it's connecting. You're like, what do I do? I'm like, well, I guess I'll take it and just put it in. That's it. You did it. You know, you stuck the thing back in. But, I mean, sometimes it isn't that hard. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. just. It doesn't always have to be. And you know what, Austin? Another piece of advice, just yeah. our final pro tip here, our ultimate. Listen. listen. That's yeah. right. Oh, we got to get back on our ultimate tips. Come uh, yeah, on yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, listen. Listen. When you're out hearing, you know, great music in your area, listen to how the people you admire put together the sets. sets. Listen to live albums. Actually, I've got an ultimate tip. We're going to put it at the end. Okay, well, let's just close. say here, leave us a speak pipe at youllhearit.com. Go to openstudionetwork.com to check out these amazing courses. And our ultimate tip is? Well, no, I'm going like this to say keep going because I'm trying to think of the oh, ultimate tip. <laughs> and then you know what? We tell do, about, tell about the ratings we do love a rating and review. We're not ashamed of it. We like seven stars. Now, that is impossible on most systems, but you can write it in. And many people have, and we appreciate it. We really do appreciate the You'll Hear It fans that have given us seven stars. And, and you know, leave a nice uh, review. Tell the folks what you like. It helps spread the word about the old uh, jazz podcast. That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Did this you... is the ultimate tip for, and, and this is really based upon number one, listen, but how it applies to this question of set list. Um, you know, in your little practice journal or whatever, as you, this is just another skill we want to develop to do good set lists. You know, go to gigs or listen to them on NPR or on YouTube. I mean, there's all different places, even if you don't have access to great jazz locally. Take a trip to New York, whatever. You're in Roanoke, going to Baltimore, great clubs there totally. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Keystone Corner just reopened in Baltimore. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but make a note of things that work and that don't work. There you go. Okay. And when you're doing that to try to learn for your set list, important to remember both, but also 
Um, don't get so much bass, you know, hung up on, oh, they started with this tune. Try to think about they started with this. Like, what's the attribute about it that made it work or made it not work? Was it kind of a swinger? Was it kind of a nice groove? Was it too challenging? You know, so because it's not about like, oh, I can start with that because it's not about the tune. It's about the vibe, the audience, these things. But start keeping some notes. And then as you're putting a set list together, you'll have some reference. You won't just be sort of blank slate because it's like anything. I mean, we're going to learn from, from others. Another little bonus ultimate tip. Can okay. I give a bonus? Yeah, please do. All right. Um, or should we make them come back tomorrow? Let's no, make right. them come back tomorrow, man. This is a long episode. All right. We'll start at the beginning tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the, the, the ultimate bonus tip for putting a set list together. So tune in tomorrow and you'll hear it. Mm-hmm.